I was in Alaska for 28 days, backpacking through, you know, different mountain ranges and really some like just immersing myself in nature. I got a job, I got an offer in Colorado and uh, I got a DWI. And my mom was like, you got to take me to a chiropractor. Like you have to, the kid needs to be under chiropractic care. If he needs a chiropractor, I'm going to be his chiropractor. GCR listeners, welcome back. Another lovely interview that we all have the opportunity to be a part of and listen to. And my guest on today's podcast is my good friend from chiropractic school, Dr. Matthew Allen. And Matt is a perinatal, prenatal, pediatric focused chiro up in Keene, New Hampshire. And Matt is one of my favorite people to discuss and to really rabbit hole down because he shares a very similar story to mine from the sense of health and wellness and being a chiropractor was not his first career choice. I would consider Matt somewhat of an outdoorsman. And for any of you who maybe are listening to this because you know him, you know very much how much he thrives and loves being in the outdoors. And we discuss a lot of that today and how there was a moment in his, his mid to late 20s that really forced him to have this large gut check moment and really say to himself, hey, am I, am I still in the woods, quote unquote, and forced him to sort of come out of the woods and come back into the office and ultimately into becoming a chiropractor and only to realize that, hey, nature really gave us the blueprint all along for healing. And that's actually a topic we delve on into this podcast. But Matt, is a, he's an absolutely beautiful human to talk to. He's a very insightful thinker. And if you want to know more about Matt, you can check the show notes for information on his YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. You can find him at evolutionchiro.com. Without further ado, let's get into my episode with Matthew Allen. Welcome to Gut Check Radio, the health and wellness podcast giving you the confidence to trust in your gut. I'm your host, Dr. Nick Belden, a board-certified chiropractic physician and functional medicine practitioner. And just for those of you who are aware, the contents of this podcast are for educational purposes only and are not intended to diagnose or treat any condition and do not apply any of this information you hear in this podcast without first speaking with your physician. Nine different triangles back and forth. And it's, it's kind of a lot of people view it as like the first kind of sound or first energy that kind of created the universe. Uh, um, so a lot of people utilize it as a visualization when they're, they're, you know, meditating or if they're trying to, you know, do whatever, but, uh, it's just a beautiful symbol. I love it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I like it. Sacred geometry and just other stuff. Yeah. But we're going to build it up, Nick. We're going to get Oh, all are we getting a sleeve? Oh, yeah, maybe. Oh, uh, we'll, we'll see. When did you I get it first? I keep trying to barter with some of my tattoo clients who are tattoo artists. And uh, nobody wants to barter. And I, it's fine. <laughs> we just barter for someone to help make our website. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, so there's, oh, man, this this is the exact reason I wanted to have you on this podcast. Because you are the perfect person for us to dive as deep as I've probably ever dove in before. I don't think, is dove in the, the right verbiage for that? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. it's a new word. Yeah. So how long did you think about getting that tattoo? Or was it you knew all along? No, yeah. So I have a rule, because um, I only have a couple tattoos, but I have a rule. You got to sit on something for about six months, especially art like that, because it's going to be on you. Um, so I have a rule that you got to think about it for six months. And if it's still something you want, go for it. However, when you get a tattoo, um, a lot of times the artist wants to do what they want to do because it's their art. And so you give them your idea and then they can kind of, they morph it and draw it and then they show it to you. Um, 
So I gave them ideas and that's what she created. And I knew I'm just, I knew that I will build upon it. So um, it was summertime when I got it, which, and I didn't want to go too big in the summer because then you can't like get it wet and you can't get sun exposure. Uh, so I just started with this and we'll, you know, we'll go up. But yeah, six months is usually my key. Mm. Have you ever thought on something for six months that you really wanted? And then after the six months, you're like, nope. Yeah, probably. Uh, mm. Can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I'm sure I've thought about stuff and it's like, yes, this is what I'm doing. Um, a, a new a friend recently told me that if you set some goals, it's like, okay, if I, if I can achieve this, if I can achieve this goal, then I can do this thing. And most likely by the time you achieve that goal, you realize, Hey, I actually don't need that thing that I wanted, or I don't need mm. to make that I thought I needed to make, uh, because you were able to get to it without really, you know, it's like, like right now it's like with my office, it's like, I want to do a new layout of my office, maybe some like demo and stuff. So this, this mentor of mine was saying, well, set some goals. And if you achieve those goals, then, you know, go ahead and treat yourself. Um, but the more I think about it, it's like, Oh, I could probably, I probably don't need a new office flow. It'd be cool if I, it'd be aesthetically pleasing for sure. Uh, but a lot of times that's ego. You're like, Oh, I want to look this way or do this thing. Uh, when really it's like, eh, you're still doing what you need to do and you're still getting things done. So still serving. Yeah. 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 So we were talking before the air and you said you're three years into practice now. And speaking of having an idea of what the aesthetic or the ego thought it would look like, what did you think? three years into practice would look like relative to what it actually has been? Like what have been the big takeaways? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I definitely thought, you know, like three years into practice, I would have like, like someone working with me and I crave that. I really do crave having someone here. Uh, like it, like when I worked with Dr. McKenzie, it was really fun to have another Cairo in the office just energy-wise, like adjusting in that open concept. I definitely envision myself adjusting in an open concept or open bay. Uh, but the more I work with clients, the more I find a lot, a lot more solitude in the intimacy of a closed door where you can do what you need to do and they feel open to express themselves. Because um, I actually have asked some clients, like, what are your thoughts on open bay adjusting? And are you guys cool if we have open bay? And a lot of them are like, oh, I kind of like the, the closed room. And and I do too, you know, because like when I go to the doc, like I like to tell them stuff and I like to say some things that like are going down in my body. Um, and I don't necessarily know if I would feel confident or feel open to saying that if somebody was laying right next to me. Uh, but yeah, I definitely envision myself having open concept adjusting um, and maybe another Cairo in the office. But as of right now, I'm really content with my my two rooms that I have and and uh, the flow that I do have right now. So mm. Yeah. What do you think regarding the open concept? What do you think when you were first thought of it? Did you not, because I'm sure you have thoughts of, oh, like this will probably be a little less intimate, but at the time you're like, oh, I still want the open base. So what do you think you were like justifying in that sense at that time? I thought it would look cooler. Mm, there it is. You, yep. You know, we go to school and we have all these mentors that are like these cool people with open adjusting. It looks cool. It looks like sexy. Um, but healing's not necessarily that you know healing is, is like kind of dirty it and is that's mm. so like it's kind of like oh let's actually like let's let's have a little bit of a container so that we can keep that in here um so people feel comfortable right and i think some people will, don't heal as much if they don't feel comfortable saying what they need to say and like letting you know some of their symptoms that they're experiencing mm. uh, yeah 
Were you surprised by how often people would tell you the most intimate parts of their life? Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I know that this kind of work can open a lot of doors, especially when people feel safe in your presence, right? When people trust you and they feel safe, they will tell you a lot of stuff. Um, so, yeah, when, and but it doesn't phase me. You know, it's like I've got four kids. I've seen a lot of stuff. Um so when people tell me that stuff, it's like, okay, what else? Like, tell me more. Like, um, and I ask a lot of questions too about, you know, cycles and, you know, I don't definitely don't go, go, don't go down the, the route of, of poop probably as much as you. Um, but I'll definitely ask about, you know, bowel movements and digestion and, and that kind of stuff and, and kind of keep poking and prodding and be like, are they consistent? Are they, you know? So yeah, I like asking those kind of questions because people want to tell you, people want to talk. You know, mm, yeah. unfortunately, a lot of a lot of doctors' appointments are so quick that they don't feel like they get to actually tell the doctor some stuff that they need to tell them. Mm, mm. And you just mentioned it: four kids. You've been through a lot of stuff, and that that was another reason, selfishly, I wanted to have you on because I just wanted to know more about your story. <laughs> just so I'm going to imagine that chiropractor was not your first career. Yeah. No. So why don't you put us put us in the shoes of 18 year old Matt? What is, what is, what is that guy thinking about doing? 18 year old Matt, man, I was a, a wild, wild animal. Um, I, I was at Mizzou and, uh, Mizzou is a school in, in Southern Missouri or like, you know, central Missouri. Um, uh, I went to college there and I was just, I was being a shithead. I was a, a party animal and like, I should not have gone to, I should not have gone to college right away. I should have taken a gap year, but I went mm. and I learned a lot about, how I shouldn't be there and how I should get the heck out of there. And so I did a couple of Knowles courses. Are you familiar with Knowles? I don't think so. No, tell us. So Knowles is National Outdoor Leadership School. And it's a uh, it's a pretty intensive leadership program where you go and you, you submerge yourself in the outdoors. And so I went to Alaska for 28 days. Um, and so around 18, I think I was 19 when I went. I was in Alaska for 28 days, backpacking through, you know, different mountain ranges and really some like just immersing myself in nature and you learn a lot in nature you learn how to stay dry you learn how to cook food you learn all sorts of stuff about dealing with bunk mates and like living in a tent um and so when i came back i went back to mizzou and again i should not have been there and so i was like i gotta go back to the woods and so then i went to arizona and i went to um southern arizona so kofa wildlife refuge it's kind of like the south i think western area and so I was there for 28 days and I was, I was backpacking and rock climbing. And I was like, this is what I need to do. I, I love being in the woods. I love like nature. And this is where I feel the most of myself. Um, so then I moved to New Hampshire. My cousins are from New Hampshire. So I moved up to New Hampshire and I, I went to school at Plymouth State University, which has an outdoor adventure education program. And so I was like, man, I can go to college and whitewater paddle and mountaineer and rock climb for a degree, like sign me up. So, uh, so yeah, I was, I was doing my, I got a bachelor's of science degree in adventure education. And, um, that's where I met Amanda, my wife, she came in riding on her bike and I was like, man, that girl is badass. And she looked <laughs> really cool. Um, and so, you know, her and I were really good friends. I worked at the outdoor center. I was, you know, renting canoes to people and taking people on trips and training people to, to lead trips. And then I worked in the outdoor field. So I worked as a camp counselor. I worked as an adventure like program director where we planned trips. We planned sea kayaking trips and rock climbing trips. And um, we, we navigated the risk associated with it. So, I mean, you have a group of kids in the woods, like there's a lot of risk, right? 
And, you know, if you're on white water, there's even more risk. And so I was, I was in charge of navigating that risk and, and understanding like, all right, you got to get, you got to take your boat out at this point and you got to put your boat back in at this point. And these are the places that we're going to resupply you. So yeah, I worked in the outdoor field and, um, and so then we had, well, we had Bela in college, right? When I was graduating college, we had Bela. And so that was like gut check, right? That was like, whoa, man, I'm like, you know, in my twenties and we're, we're pregnant. We're about to have a kid. And so then I was like, all right, I got to take some more administrative work versus playing in the playing in the woods all the time. I got to stay inside at the office and like plan stuff. Um, so we started doing that. And then there's another gut check. So I got a, I got a job. I got an offer in Colorado and it was for a high school. And I was going to be like a, you know, the high school's coordinator for their, their trips. So I was out celebrating. I was excited that I got this job and uh, I got a DWI. And I was like, fuck, dude, uh... like. And I was like, dang, like, that's a big, that's a big deal. Like, I can't do what I want to do with that on my record, you know? Like, so I was like, what are we going to do? And so I started working construction and I started doing just random stuff because I didn't have a license. And I was like, fuck, this sucks, dude. Yeah. You know, this is like a big total reality check of like, now you got to shift gears. Like, you can't do the thing you love doing and you got to go do this manual labor. Um, and so then we had our second son, Leo. And uh, his birth was really fast, like really fast. Like Amanda, like he was in Amanda's birth canal for a long time. And like, she wasn't like totally comprehending that she was having the baby. She's like, no, no, we're good. And I'm like, I don't know, dude, like there's a head, like totally sticking out, like pretty sure maybe. Um, and so we had Bale or we had Leo at home and um, it just hematoma, like super elongated cranium, like really, really a lot of cranial stress. And my mom was like, you got to take him to a chiropractor. Like you have to, like the kid needs to be under chiropractic care. And I was like, I can't afford chiropractic care. Like mm. I'm a construction worker with no license. Like what? Had you been How to a chiropractor before? I had. Yeah. yeah. I grew up. With yeah. Ah, okay. You know, my mom was a nurse and she always took us to the chiropractor. Always. She was always like, no, nope, we're going to go to the chiropractor. Like you have asthma, you have these things like we're going to deal with the chiropractor first. And then if you need medications, we can do medications. Um, but yeah, I, I grew up, you know, getting adjusted, not all the time, but you know, at least once a month. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. So when my mom told me that, I was like, all right, well, like if he needs a chiropractor, I'm going to be his chiropractor because I want to make sure that he's getting the best care. And I didn't know of any other chiropractic school other than Logan, because I grew up in Missouri I grew up in St. Louis. And I was like, well, Logan is where I'm going to go because that's a chiropractic school and it's in St. Louis and my parents are there. Um, so we literally, I called up Logan and I applied and really weird, but I, I guess I applied to Logan when I was graduating high school and I, I forgot that I applied there. Oh, wow. so they had all my stuff and they're like, yeah, we just need some science courses. And I was like, I don't have any science courses. Like I have rock climbing courses and they're like, no, like you need science courses. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll come take some science courses at Logan. So we moved my whole family in the winter, like in February, we moved out to St. Louis. So there was just two, it was me and Amanda and my two boys. And, uh, I'm glad I didn't look at the curriculum because holy cow, my boom, I was like, what is this? Like I have to learn microbiology and biochemistry and all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, so it was, it was opening, but I was really excited because, you know, it was something I was going to learn from my family. It was like, I was going to be the, the provider of of care for my kids um yeah so then i started taking classes at logan got through most of that program and then we were pregnant with mason during my last i think try nine or try i guess try nine 
whenever boards were, cause I, I, get, I took my last board. I took diagnostic imaging when Mason was born. Mm. So I like, he, Amanda was in labor. I like went to take the test and I got the heck out of there as fast as I could. And the lady's like, are you sure you're done? I'm like, I'm done. I got to <laughs> go. Um, so then we had him at home that night. So yeah, man. That story is why I like to do this podcast. <laughs> there's there's so many roads that I want to travel down. I want to start with when you first got into the Knowles program, had you were you an outdoorsy teenager or was that sort of a leap for you to get into that? So my I used to camp in my backyard all the time. Like mm-hmm. we used to have parties at my house and we'd camp in my backyard. And uh my parents never took us camping or anything, but I had a tent. And then in my sophomore, my sophomore year in high school, I went to Estes Park, Colorado with my high school. And it was awesome. I loved it. It was really fun. And our teachers, the moderators for that group were super, I'm still friends with them. They're like, they're really great mentors of mine, but they were very lenient on us, like exploring the woods by ourselves. And so they'd like, make sure you're back here at, you know, two o'clock. And so we like me and a couple guys, like we just would go out in the woods and get into our skivvies and get in the water. And so, yeah, I, I love the outdoors, um, but I was never like a boy scout or anything. I never knew how to tie knots before going to these trips. So. Hmm. Do you remember maybe a time, especially within your first couple 28 day stints when you were maybe like, Oh crap, I wish I was a boy scout for this exact moment. And that like near, near danger experiences. <laughs> I, we were on a mountain range one time and it was like pouring rain and all of a sudden it started to lightning. And we were like, me and this kid, Eric, we were like, what do we do? Eric actually lives in Arizona. Um, we're like, what do we do? And Eric's like, I think we get under the trees. And I'm like, I don't know if we get under the trees. <laughs> and then Alex, uh, he was, this kid, Alex was like, I think we should probably go down the mountain and not go up it anymore. And I was like, yeah, maybe we should do that. So yeah, there was definitely instances where my brother was a Boy Scout. And I remember going to one of his Boy Scout things. And I was like, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to make derby cars. I want to, I don't know. I didn't want to do it. Yeah. I feel like you'd be a poster child for a Montessori school. Just like give you, <laughs> give you some blocks and like outdoors time for 30 minutes and just yeah. let you go. At it. Did you, when you initially got into being in that Knowles program, did you have expectations for Like, did you know you were going to love the heck out of it enough to want to transfer someday to do it specifically? No, I thought it was just going to be a, a, like a fun way to like get out into the woods and travel. Right. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, it'd be a cool thing to do. You know, over my summer break, instead of going, you know, instead of working, right. Instead of having a job, it'd be fun to go like be in the woods. Um, but man, once you, I mean, have you ever been to Alaska? No, it's huge. It's a massive, massive state and everything there is just huge. And so when you're in the Alaskan wilderness and you realize like that river is massive and you have to cross it and you have to go over this dry glacier and you know, the sun doesn't go down like that just changes you a little bit. It's like, wow, I'm part of nature. This is like this massive, I'm like nothing compared to this. Um, so that trip to Alaska definitely started this like total internal shift of like, wow, like nature is this really powerful healer. Um, you know, cause I was like a little punk in college. And so like that experience kind of shook me up. It's like, is this really what you want to be doing to your body? Do you want to be hurting your body and like going down this path of self-destruction or do you want to align yourself with nature a little bit Mm. so then when i went back to school and started messing around again i was like i gotta go back because like that was very therapeutic for me so i was like i gotta go back Mm. Um, and then it was that second trip when i was in arizona you know just the 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 sunsets and the saguaros and like just all the cool like the the desert 
you know, like that's where I was like, I want to educate kids in this environment, or I want to at least learn how to educate kids or learn how to educate adults in this adverse terrain. Cause ultimately it's, it's, it's navigating somebody through adversity. And that's what we're doing as chiropractors. Mm. People come to us with adverse situations that they don't know how to get out of. And it's like, we just look at the bigger picture and we're like, Hey man, you're not broken. We can do this. This is super simple. If we just navigate a different route, if we start to lead you down this path and give you this map, it'll make more sense. And so basically I'm taking my adventure ed program and I'm just applying it to the human body. Now. Um, but still it's very similar work. It's just a different, you know, you're in, you're in, you're different in, tool. Yeah. 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 You don't have to run up a mountain or run down a mountain to get right. away from lightning. Yeah. Did you, yeah. were you into your own personal health at this time when you were maybe out of school and I realized you're now like helping kids with risk management, like was health a big value for you? I didn't really get into health until Amanda got pregnant. So mm. when I, when, when Amanda was pregnant and she started to, to drip these ideas of a home birth and drip the idea that you don't have to vaccinate and you don't have to circumcise and all these things, I was like, wait, what? Yeah. I was like, oh. this, this, this is the world. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to do those things. And she's like, no, she's like, we can do this. And so that started to, re- and, and watching her body, right. Watching this tiny little girl and watching her body start to shift and hold a, a baby. I was like, wow, this, I was like, the body's really amazing. Like, it's pretty cool how it's just doing this without any input. And, you know, and, and we had, you know, there was, there are moments when we, when we initially went the hospital route where we like, when we first found out we were pregnant, we we're like, oh, we got to go to the hospital and like, tell them. And then we were there, we we're like, this doesn't feel right. Like, well, do we really have to be in the setting where like a controlled setting of like, we got to monitor these things. And I was like, and Amanda's like, I don't think we do. And I was like, I don't think we do either. Um, so that when Bela was, when he was in Amanda's belly, that's when I started to really focus on human health and, and just like our potential. Mm. So then when you applied to Logan in high school, was that just, you think someone, your mom just said like, Hey, you should do it anyway. Like there wasn't I any think, real. Yeah I, yeah. I think so. Cause moms are always right. Right. And so I think my <laughs> mom was like, a chiropractor. And I was like, all right. And I remember applying to Logan and I, I guess I don't remember it. I guess, I guess I did though. You know, unless my mom did it, I don't know. Yeah, didn't find you back yet. She knew all along. Ten years later, it would yeah right back around. Yeah, it had all my high school transcripts and stuff, and so. Mm. All right, we got to yeah. talk about the elephant in the room, a DUI. What's going through your mind as you're as it's happening? Like, oh fuck! Like, there goes my job. Mm. And shit, Amanda's gonna be pissed. <laughs> you know, like she's at home with a six month old. And here I am like on the side of the road, you know, getting arrested. Um, yeah, I think my life like flashed before me of like, wow, everything that I just spent the last, you know, three and a half years studying and working towards like, you know, that idea of like, oh, I'm going to be a program director at an outdoor school and this and that, like that was literally in front of my eyes, just like crumbling. And I was like, wow, what am I doing? What, like, what did I get myself into? And then I, you know, and then it flashed me back to like college and I was like, oh man, you know, you, you can do all these things that you want to shift, but there's always going to be that internal part of you that has that desire to like party and be a wild man. Um, so yeah, but then at the same time, I was like, all right, like, this is just the road. This is just another thing that happens. Like, you know, it's not the end of the world. Um, thankfully, right. It could have right. been, yeah. could have been bad. Mm-hmm. but yeah, I think it was a gut check. That's for sure. Yeah. So, so the next day after you wake up from that, like what's, what's the first thoughts going through your mind? What things are you starting to realize? Okay. I got to I got to shift X, Y, I got to go to Z. I was thinking, who do I call? You know, I was like, do I call 
do I tell the job that hired me in Colorado? Do I tell them or do I just try mm. to get them? I was like, oh, I got to tell them. And then I had to tell the, the job that I was currently working at, right? Because I, I was in charge of van transportation and getting people to and from trailheads. And so that was hard. So I had to tell them. And they were super cool. They were like, hey, it happens. They're like, it happens, like, especially in this field. Um, <laughs> you know, it happens. And uh, so they let me work from home. They let me do a lot more administrative work. Um, but then I had to make that call to the Colorado school. And that was like, ugh, this sucks. It was embarrassing, you know? It was just like, it's like, oh, man, I'm a dork for doing that. Like, I'm, you know, it's like childish, you know? Mm. Um, but yeah, then it was like, okay. all right, now who do I call to get work? Like, who's going to hire me to do different things and and can I get places without having to have a car? Can somebody pick me up in certain areas? Like that was the biggest, that was a bummer too. Um, so yeah, so then I just started doing construction and that, I didn't like that. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not handy, dude. I can't make a straight cut. I, I'll clean up the work site. Like that's what I was really good at. <laughs> yeah, if you needed me to throw pallets in a trash can, yeah, I'm your man. <laughs> I will clean the work site up and I will get on that roof and shovel off the snow um, but don't expect a straight line cut from me. Ah, uh, how long were you in construction for exactly? Probably six, eight months. Oh, okay. So not long enough where you were. Okay. Yeah. Do you, I always ask this question and the stereotypical answer is always like, Oh, I, everything I went through got me to where I am. Do you think you needed to go through that DUI experience and then the construction job, not enjoying that to really find your new self? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, it's like, I always tell people like, don't regret stuff, right? Like things happen. You got to move on from it. But yeah, I, I definitely think things happen for us versus to us. Mm -hmm. um, so everything is a teachable experience, even if we don't see it right then and there, right down the line, 10 years, totally. It makes sense that that happened to me. Right. Cause who knows? I, I'd probably be, I don't know what I'd be doing. I definitely wouldn't be as stoked as I am on life right now, unless that happened. Um, and it just makes you think about things like now that I've you know, got four kids, it's like, you know, you think you, you think about drinking before you're driving now and you're like, I got kids. Other people have kids, too. But when I was that age, it was like I was a young dad. I was still thought the world revolved around me versus a family. So, yeah, I definitely think that happened, you know, for uh, a reason. Mm, wait, I want to double click on that. So even when you had your child, you you still you didn't have this massive shift at all. It's, it's not about me anymore. No, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm again selfish question. Yeah. I, dude, <laughs> I, was like a, stuff. I was like a young, I was a young dad. I was like 23, 24, I think. Um, at that age, I feel like you still think you're invincible and you, you still feel like I'm going to do the things I want to do. But then when you start to have another kid, and again, maybe this is different as like if you're, if you're older and have kids, cause then, cause you got your shit together mm -hmm. and you maybe have this, but like at that age, it was like, I didn't have a business. I didn't have other things. I was just like living life paycheck to paycheck and playing in the woods. So yeah, I, no, I didn't. My life still revolved around me at that point. Mm. And did you think you were, uh, there's probably not a corporate ladder in working in the woods, but did you think you would just be in that your whole life? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I did, you know, when I was 18, I envisioned myself living in a van in Colorado climbing, you know, uh... and I have friends that do that. Like I still have friends that are in their thirties that do that. And it's, kudos to them yeah uh, i couldn't do it no way um looking back it's like that's not the life i want um it's maybe sexy and appealing but it's not not you know for me right now yeah and it, it seems to be a theme like, that 
I still like to play in the woods. Don't get me wrong. Right. Yeah. No, <laughs> I'd be worried if you yeah. didn't. Yeah. But yeah. Do you feel like you, like, have you ever engaged or started up any patient retreats in the woods? Like, do you use any of that side of your life to now educate people on like getting in nature? Is that a big part of what you do with people in all currently? That's like in my journals. Like I would love to have that as, as some sort of retreat or some sort of weekend outing that um, I have a location. I have my contacts like that, that is in the works. It, it's a, it's an idea of mine for sure. Um, it just has to come to life. Mm. But yeah. Cause I just, I, I see you as just like the perfect human to take some in the woods and like adjust them in the woods amongst this light sprinkled rainfall amongst like this overcast guy. And like you said, it's crazy that you've also been journaling about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. My fa- I mean, I love adjusting people outdoors. Uh, we had a wedding that we went to uh, back in August and I brought my table the next morning when it was like, it was like family and friends, like for a breakfast and stuff. And I adjusted probably like 50 people. Um, no joke within like maybe an hour. It was like, wow. I was like, I was like in a zone. I was just like, people were laying on the table and I was like, Oh, it's crazy. Um, but it was really fun. And I like Amanda came up to me after I was exhausted afterwards. I was like, Ugh. and Amanda was like, she's like, you look like you were like tripped out adjusting people. And I was like, I know I felt like it. Like I didn't, I, you know? Um, but yeah, I love adjusting people outdoors. Yeah. Isn't that crazy that you can get in that flow state for an hour and love it that much, but at the same time still love to spend like an hour with one person. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And it's just like, sometimes those flow states are, like you said, they're incredibly draining. So to be in that for, for an entire day, five days a week. Yeah. Probably unsustainable. I mean, I don't work five days a week, man. Come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean, man? <laughs> no way. So now that you've been almost three years into practice, what are some, clinical things you didn't expect to happen that have been coming up a lot more than, than you thought. Right now I, I see a lot of like people are, well, I mean, I always knew like stress was the cornerstone of disease, right? right. Stress. But it's like, dude, people, people come to you. Yeah. And they write, they write neck pain and back pain or whatever, whatever their pain is. But it's like, dude, it's not that like people are exhausted. People are are tired. They don't sleep. People don't have, they don't move. Right. And so it's like, and they're just, they, they, they're, they're just, they're so fatigued from probably not moving. Right. And probably not getting good sleep. Um, clinically, I don't know, man, I see a lot. I mean, I work with, I try to work with a niche of perinatal care and pediatric care. Mm -hmm. Now I definitely get a lot of clients that have your typical headaches, shoulder pain, hip pain. Um, I just see a lot of stuff that could have, could have been navigated differently had somebody told them earlier. Right. You know, it's like, Oh man, this is like, this is something that we could have, we can easily navigate with movement, your movement, active movement, not my movement, right? Passive movement is one thing. Active movement is where you're going to heal. It's not from my table. It's not the adjustment. Unfortunately. Mm. I mean, I was like this one beautiful adjustment that like got you better, but it's like, it's going to open a spot for sure, which will then allow you to have better range of motion and whatever. And it, yeah, cool communication frame, brain to body. But like, it's, it's that shift of your mindset of like, wait a second, I can do this and I'm not broken. Um, and I think just getting people to try to try to like journal a little bit and, and write down like, Hey, 
How did you sleep? What are you consuming? Don't go crazy. I don't need a whole journal of everything you're eating. But if you're recognizing a trend of like, man, I'm eating a lot of carbs in the morning, no protein, and or I'm or I'm drinking coffee before I even get anything in me. Um, it's like I don't know, maybe switch it up. I don't know. I don't know if that answered your question. No, it does. Yeah, and that's what I'm seeing as well is that so many people just don't have awareness. Yeah. And instead of this massive nutritional overhaul or getting on this extensive hormone replacement panel, it's like, hey, just write down how you feel. People are so disconnected from feel. Yeah. Yeah. You know, going along with that, though, I also notice people often know what they need to do, but they sometimes just want somebody else to tell them it. I had a client today and I was like, you know what would be, I think, really good for your shoulders are just dead hangs, like just hanging from a bar. And she's like, I was just talking to my boyfriend about that today. And I was like, so you know that you need to do it, but you got to trust the gut. Like you got to trust like sometimes that internal awareness of like, should I do this? I kind of want to. And if it's not harming you, try it, man. See what happens. Um, See, I think a lot of people lack, yeah, like you said, awareness. And once they trust themselves, once they start to trust the process, they're like, oh, okay, cool. I can do this. And I I can be my healer versus Mm -hmm. the person there. Yeah. But to get there, they almost need someone for their gut to trust in. They need a you. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. 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 I think our society, we've trained a lot of people to like view doctors as like these, we are in charge of like people's health. And so people want to see us and they ask us these questions. And unfortunately in the allopathic world, they often don't get enough time with those docs or those docs just say, you know, like, I don't know. I don't want to say they belittle it, but sometimes they do. It's like, oh, that'll, you'll, that'll go away or, or here, take this. It's like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know if that, some people will tell me this, like, that doesn't feel right. And if it doesn't feel right, then it's like, that's probably not the place you need to be. Mm. Um, so. Mm. And you mentioned earlier that peds and prenatal, your specialty, your niche. And if your, your wife having the the home birth, and that was the impetus for you to actually become a chiropractor. And then one of your children having the the hematoma and cranial issues. Did you think when you got into it that you would have this niche? Was that the plan from the, that moment? No, I don't think that was the plan because as the adventure ended me, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll work with like athletes or I'll work with people that are on Noel's trips. And when they come out of the field, like we'll adjust them and we'll get them better and like look at their pain patterns. Um, so I think that was kind of where I wanted to go. But, you know, in school, you start getting all these different seminars and different insights from teachers and clinical, like, oh, that just happened or this just happened. And, um, and I think, but yeah, with watching Amanda then through the third pregnancy and then the fourth pregnancy, it was like, that's, that's the population I like to work with. Because if you start to impact that population, if you start to decrease stress levels in moms and you start to get them feeling good in their body it's like, whoa, then that kid starts to feel good. And then that birth is like empowering. And then they start to have an empowered experience as like, well, I did that. I birthed that baby. And I like, I didn't need certain things. And maybe they did whatever, but they still felt empowered and they still felt autonomous with their choices. Um, That starts a cascade, a cascade of like, whoa, like we can do this ourselves, Um, you know, with some outside help if they need it. Um, And that's what it's there for. but yeah, it was through that third and fourth pregnancy that I was like, this is the niche that I want. And these are the people that I want in my office. Mm. What's crazy is a year and a half ago, I would have said all of that was woo woo. And now that I've seen it in person every day for a year, I it, yeah. it amazes me when you impact, like you said, at that 
when they're, when they're the most impressionable in your life, mm-hmm. how that stress reduction just can really cascade to such a better quality of life from the moment of birth. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think that's what's like chiropractic is funny. Cause you, I mean, there's so many different avenues and so many different inputs of like, whatever. Um, but, but it's like quality of life, no matter, like regardless of the chiropractor you go to, I mean, like quality of life, I feel like increases like the people that go to any chiropractor, whether it's network, whether it's, you know, cervical. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Their quality of life is a step up because it's like, they feel empowered and they feel better in their body. And I think that's, if anything, like that's cool. Like I want to improve people's quality of life. Mm, Yeah. I was actually just talking with one of my friends about that same van the other day about if people just remained consistent with something mm-hmm. instead of hoping that one or two times it will work. Yeah. It would it, like literally the, it's as simple as, and as cliche as it is, that consistency will give them that quality of life. Yeah. A routine. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's, it's a ritual. It becomes a ritual. Like I love coffee, but I, it's, I view it as a ritual. It's like, I don't need it, but it's like, dude, I love the process of it. And same thing with adjusting. It's like, if I don't get adjusted every three weeks or every two weeks, it's like, ah, like I know that I start to hold things. It's like, I need to get adjusted. Like my quality of life will be improved. I won't be thinking about my shoulder when I'm adjusting something. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. That actually, that's a a good segue to the next question. So now that you have four children, how would you say your own personal health practice has evolved throughout having all four of them? Because now I'm, because time is probably not much more of a, a resource than it was maybe 10 years ago. Yeah. I mean, you, I, yeah, as, as a lot of people, that's what I always hear people time, right? I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. It's like, you definitely have enough time. It's just, you don't, you don't, you choose what you do with your time. And so, yeah. So the fact that I have, you know, four kids, two of them are, are nine and seven. So they're older. They're like, they're moving. We, they go to jujitsu on Wednesdays, and Fridays and we ski. I want, and I've always told, like, I've always in the back of my head, it's like, my goal is to age gracefully. Right. I want to, I want to, as a, as an adult, like as a father, I want my kids to watch me and be like, he looks solid. Like he's strong. Like I want them to think I'm fucking strong. Yeah. Um, and so to do that, it's like, I gotta do, I gotta work out. I gotta exercise. I gotta make sure I'm eating well, um, and sweating. Right. I gotta, I gotta, I want to sweat. Um, so yeah, I just do, I, I find time. So it's like in the mornings, you know, five in the five o'clock in the morning, like that's when I go to the gym. And that's when I hit the sauna and then I come home and most, most of the time when I come home, everybody's still asleep. And so, but then they start to wake up and that's like, all right, cool. Let's eat breakfast. Let's make breakfast. I'll make breakfast for everybody. And then I dip out to go to work. Um, and I mean, you know, this kind of work, it's metabolically driven. So it's like, I'm burning calories all day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I come home and I rest, you know, and then on certain days, like, like I only work Tuesday through Friday. And my Wednesdays and Fridays are half days. And so those half days I go to jujitsu with the kids and watch them roll and, and get on the mats every once in a while and roll with them. Um, but on Mondays we ski. So I just like, it's like, I just carve out time. It's like, all right, Mondays we ski. This is what I do. You know, Saturday and Sunday, I go to the gym just for a little bit to, to sweat. And then, you know, Monday through Thursday, like those or Tuesday through Thursday, those are my days that I go in the morning. Um, I think, yeah, like you said, it's a routine, it's consistency. It's like, what are the things that I have to do? Cause these are, these are like, you have to do these and you have to yep. do them for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And that's, I don't view it as like a hindrance. I view it as like, oh, that's my healthcare. Yeah. <laughs> you know? that, yeah. And it's so cool that you get so involved with your children and then activity aspect. Is that something that 
you guys obviously enforce it upon them, but you sort of encourage it or they come to you and be like, dad, I want to do jujitsu. I was, so I started taking care of a couple of the guys at the jujitsu gym mm. and uh, they kept inviting me out, inviting me out. And so I went out and rolled for about, I don't know, maybe three or four sessions. And I loved it. I thought it was really fun. Um, but then I got like a really, I like strained my rib and I was like, Oh, I don't know if I want to roll anymore with these mm. 200 pound dudes. Um, and, but I, there was a kid's class. And so I just asked my kids if they wanted to go and they, they said, yeah. And so they went and, you know, I don't know if you did martial arts. I didn't do martial arts. I didn't, up, but no. With martial arts, you get like a gi. So like, you know, like the coat and the pants mm-hmm. and your belt called the gi. And any kid, like they see that and they want it. And so, and then you get a, they get a stripe every time they go, a piece of tape that says like, oh, you've gone one time, 10 times, 40 times, different colors. And so like kids just like that. They're like, I want another stripe. I want another stripe. And so they just want to keep going back. Um, there are times when Bela says he doesn't want to go back. And I say, that's, you can quit on a good day. You can't quit mm. when I, like, you can quit after you have a really good practice. And uh, every time he always has a good time. So. You never, I, if they want to quit at some point, they can, I don't care. Right. Uh, but no, I don't force it. And the same with skiing, like skiing was like, that's something I like to do. Um, and so when we took them skiing, you know, we started them cross country skiing and cross country skiing is flat. And you're just like, you're just walking through the woods with skis. And so all season we did that. And then at the very end of the season, we took them downhill and they crushed it. And I was like, wow, they did really good. Um, and so the next season, they were like, I don't want to do cross-country skiing. I want to do downhill. And I was like, cool, because that's all I want to do. But they were really bad. And I was like, oh, it's because they weren't on cross-country skis all season. Like, they weren't, like, they didn't have the rhythm. And so, like, that first day, it was kind of rough. They're like, I don't know if I like this. I was like, no, it's okay. Like, let's go down all the easy ones. Um, so, yeah, just give them, give them that opportunity to fail a little bit. But then at the same time, they see me, right? Yeah. And they see me fall every once in a while, and I get up. So. That's powerful. So, yeah. I don't like force them to do anything. Yeah. <clears throat> That's from a lot of people I've interviewed now that are parents. That is one of the conclusions that I'm beginning to arrive at is you, you show them through action and the phrase you said of don't quit on a bad day, quit on a good day. I hear that enough times now to be like, okay, that's, if I remember one thing about being a parent, yeah. I, I tell them that <laughs> when, when right. something doesn't go well. Yeah. yeah. Did you grow up skiing? No, no. Oh. That's, that's what uh, I was going to say. Yeah, I was going to ask like how you got that outlet in the Midwest. No, yeah. when I moved up to New Hampshire, my cousin got me some skis out of her like barn and they were old. They were from like the 90s and we went up to the top of the mountain and she's like, you're going to ski down. And I was like, are we going to do any any skills or anything? She's like, nope, you're just going to go down. And I was like, all right. And I ate it a bunch on my way down, but it was a lot of fun. And so... Yeah. Yeah, I just I like going fast. I'm a big fan of fast things mm. and skiing fast. Yeah. Do you feel like chiropractic school was fast enough? You know, surprisingly, like when I look back, yeah, that was fast, dude. Like it's a blip in time. Mm. In the moment, it sucks. And you're like, this is ever gonna end. It's like my try three and seven never gonna end. Um but yeah, it, in retrospect, yeah, it was fast. Did you ever have moments where you thought, do I really want to do this? Is yeah. this really for me? Mm. Both. Yeah, lots. Uh, I remember in try two and three, I, I split those tries up because, you know, I had, I had two kids and it was like, that's a lot of, that's a heavy workload. You're in school literally like 30 something hours. Um, yeah, I did not. I, at some point I was like, do I really want to do this? Do I want to like, I thought about being an OB. I thought that'd be cool. Uh, While you were in chiropractic school, you thought about that? Yeah, I thought about mm. being an OB. 
Um, cause I really enjoyed, like, I really enjoyed that, that pregnancy phase. And, uh, I was like, this, would, this could be really cool. Um, but no, it was just a very quick glimpse of like, eh. and then I was like, I'm already invested, man. Like I'm sticking it out. Yeah. Yeah. For those listeners who aren't aware, it's, so if you can think back to your college days, most people probably took 15 to 16 credits. And if you took 18, it was a big deal. But in Cairo school, you're two, at least double that up to 36, yeah. 34 credits. And so it to, to even half the semester is still just what a normal college semester would have been not on top of having a family. So, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, when I found out that was the schedule, I was like, what, dude, like this, is a, that's like a full-time job, man. Like you're in school all day long. And the teachers come to you. Like you don't move out of that room. I know. <laughs> Everybody has their room that they just start. They remember all too well. And if we ever go back to Logan, we will never look at that place the same. I, I loved it when, when we got into clinic, like that was my favorite component of school was clinic. Yeah. You know, like dressing up like a doctor and like having these actors. Like I love that shit, man. Yeah. That was fun. Mm. I remember part of the reason we met in school for, for the audience is there was I'm trying to figure out the best way to put the word to this club, KTC. And yeah. it's, essentially it was, it was a club where you would engage in training to be a chiropractor, philosophical discussion, and also meditation and mindfulness. Would you yeah. kind of say that's an accurate description? Yeah. I'd yeah. say, yeah. The, yeah. The training, like your adjusting skills, but also your mindset around the table and yeah. Mm. So what is your current practice or philosophy around meditation spiritualness look like hmm. well i mean i don't meditate i don't like sit like and zen out and meditate um as he's sitting cross-legged <laughs> I, yeah. I, I travel i so i commute about 30 minutes to work mm -hmm. um and during that time i commute in silence um because i feel like a lot of thoughts run through my head and sometimes when i have the noise of the the radio and half the time when I listen to the radio, like I don't even follow sports, but I'll find myself listening to sports. And I'm like, who are these basketball players they're talking about? Like, I'm listening. And so, yeah, I, I sit in silence on my way to work and uh, I do my best to not really think, uh, you know, like the chatter in your head, chatter, chatter, chatter. And a lot of it's like clinical cases of like, Oh, I wonder if I did this right. Or I wonder if this person's getting better. And like, I think that's a great, I think you should think about those things because they then help you then for the next client or then go back to it. Um, but I've noticed that if you, if I sit in silence on the way to work, that chatter silent, like diminishes and, and it's a little bit more peaceful and it's a little bit more like, Oh, I'm actually sitting here with myself or with God or whoever. Um, so yeah, I, I like to sit in silence on my way to work and on my way home from work because I get home and it's fucking loud. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Like, <laughs> Um, and I definitely think, um, sauna is a very meditative place for me, like sitting in a sauna and just sweating and like wanting to get out and be like, Nope, I'm good. I got this. You know, I, I'm strong. I can do this. Um, exercise, like, you know, lifting heavy weights is, is meditative for me. If that's meditation, yep. uh, cause you have to focus on that and focus on form. And so to me, that's, a, that's a meditative practice. Um, I definitely think I have more faith in like in God and in my spirit and, and in trust in that things are going to pan out the way they should pan out. Um, you know, growing, growing up, it was like, I didn't like hearing that. I didn't like talking about that. 
And then you had friends that influenced you and you're like, yeah, that's, that's lame. Don't believe that. It's like, all right, yeah, I don't, I don't believe it. And then, you know, the more I'm a father, the more I like pray with my kids at night, the more I see them trusting their guardian angels and asking for help when things go wrong. And, and it's like, dang, dude, that's pretty powerful. Um, I don't go to church, but I definitely believe in a, in a, in a source of, of energy and a source of guidance. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I, I love that you answered those in that way, because that's actually what I try to tell people a lot of times is like you said, meditation doesn't have to be the sitting in the Lotus position saying ohm for 15 to 20 minutes. Yeah, It, it is any act where you are brought into a moment where thoughts completely go away. Mm. And then you allow the thoughts that are necessary to come in. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Sometimes like those thoughts and you're not judging the thoughts is right. another thing. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause sometimes those thoughts come in and we start to judge them like, Oh, why am I thinking this? Or why am I? It, it's like, Oh, thank you. Thank you. Goodbye. You know? So it's like, yeah, sometimes it's okay to have those thoughts come in and just like have that noise, but not judge them um, and just let them be or, or ask them like, what are you trying to tell me, man? You know, do you what, talk, what? do you talk to yourself out loud? Oh my God, dude. So much. Thank you for saying yes to that. <laughs> I need someone else. <laughs> it's like, yeah, dude, I like on my phone, I have tons of just like, I'll turn it on and I'll just start talking. And a lot of times it's ideas. It's like content ideas of like, oh, I should do this or I should like remember to do this. And then sometimes it just turns into like me talking. And I think too, it's like, you know, I, I used to journal quite a, quite a bit. Like I had a lot, I love journals and, um, I don't journal as much, I journal business-wise, but I don't necessarily journal personally. Um, so a lot of my thoughts out loud that I talk to myself are like either to my future self <laughs> or like to my kids if they ever watch them. Um, so yeah, I talk to myself all the time. <laughs> Same, me too. <laughs> Some people think I'm really crazy, but to me, I get my best ideas when I say them out loud. Sometimes, yeah, dude. I yeah. Mean, yeah. And it's I almost really... like... No, go ahead. I just had a really interesting, you know, I was talking to myself on the way to, I don't know where I was. I think I was on the way home from something. It was dark out and I had my video camera on because I just wanted to have it just in case. So you can't see me or anything, but I was talking to myself, talking to myself. Are you, do you read the Bible or anything? I do. Yep. So I don't read the Bible. I mean, I, I read portions of the Bible, mm -hmm. but yeah, it means I am who I am. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm talking to myself, talking to myself, having this idea. And then I said that word and, and I said, I am who I am. And I was like, oh, fuck. And then, and then I was like retracing what I actually had just said. And then I was like, dude, was that like, was I just channeling God? Like, was God talking through mm. me? When I do talk to myself, sometimes it comes out as it's like, oh, that's not me talking. Like, sometimes that's like spirit talking. Um, but yeah, I said that phrase, I am who I am. And then I was like, whoa, that's like Yahweh, I'm pretty sure, in the Bible. And I'm pretty sure Moses heard that when there was like a burning bush, <laughs> you know? And I was like, whoa, dude. Like we're a lot, you know, these, these, these energies are closer to us than we think. And, uh, mm. yeah, I think it's sometimes you just have to listen in silence for those things. Yes. And people, like we talked about earlier, have to get that awareness. Yeah. And it's one thing I would challenge. I, I feel so hypocritical saying this, but I would challenge people to listen to less podcasts and audiobooks. <laughs> it's, and I'll unpack what I mean. I used to be someone who would any moment of dead space was filled with an audiobook or a podcast on personal development, health, fitness, finance, you name it. And then I think I got to a point where I just, I was consuming so much. Like I didn't know what to believe 
because I hadn't oh. given enough time for my own thoughts. And then I just started walking with nothing. And it was the most therapeutic thing I could have ever done. It was my, it yeah. was my car ride for you. Yeah. Yeah. And so I would challenge people listening <laughs> again. I feel so weird saying this, but I take inventory of your time and just, and really look at like, where are there moments in your life where you can carve out 15 and 20 minutes of silence? And you'll be shocked at how much less stressed you feel from doing that versus filling right. it with material. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Mm. Matt, last thing I want to ask you about here. So we haven't talked too much on business things, but would you say three years in, are you at a place where do you loathe working, loathe working on the business or do you start to have like this love for being the manager versus the creator? If that makes sense. Yeah. I would love to outsource that dude. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yeah, it's a lot of work, man. Business yeah. ownership's hard because you're constantly like reevaluating things and you're looking at numbers and you're like, Oh man, like, here are my numbers last year. Here are my numbers this year. And like, yeah, there's growth, but could there be more growth? And where do we need to allocate resources? Like, do we need to put more money into this or more money into that? Um, I like, as a business owner, I, I really enjoy interacting with people the most, right? So if I could give all my business duties to somebody else, right? Payroll, which I got to do tomorrow. Um, it's like, if I could give payroll to somebody else. And, and again, I think that becomes where you delegate tasks. And I, and I think as, as I lack that ability to delegate as much as I should, mm. um, I want control, but at the same time, I also don't want control, but it's like, Oh, this is mine. And since it's mine, like I have to know exactly what's going on. Um, I don't loathe the business aspect, but I definitely wish. And I, and I, I know it'll happen, but I hope at some point, um, I can feel confident enough to hand those over, hand those reins over. of like, okay, you run my business. I'm just going to stay in this room all day and you funnel me people. And, you know, I'll know the time that I need to spend with them, you know, cause I have a printout of my day sheet. Um, but I would love to just hang out in there and then go market and go network, go talk to people, you know? Um, like that's what I would like to do. Yeah. Do you feel like your wife fills in maybe any of those holes for you? Like, is she, is she that involved in the day-to-day -day running of the business? No, she messaged me and, and she says, Hey, payroll is due today. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, she definitely, I mean, she runs my QuickBooks. She looks at like my, my money. Um, I let her deal with all that cause I don't want to deal with it, but that's definitely a goal of mine this year is to have more of a financial relationship with my business. So like feeling like understanding where everything is going and what is coming in. Um, you know, growing up, I didn't, I was never really talked to about money. My parents never talked to me about money. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I viewed it as voodoo. And now that it's like, Oh, like there's a lot of in and out of money. Like I need to know what's happening with this because um, it's energy and it, and uh, it, you know, you can utilize if you have knowledge of it because my wife and I are doing a lot more like focus on like, how do we have a good relationship with finances and uh, you know, how can we invest it and how can we utilize our, our, our money that we do have to help us grow. Um, and so we talk to our kids about money. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's absolutely one of my goals. It's like, all right, have more of a financial ownership of my business and then, delegate tasks better yeah um, uh so yeah. yeah that's a hard place to arrive at too because there's a point when you're in school when the last thing you think about is the logistics of the financial operations of the business and you're like i'm just going to get people better and then it'll take care of itself which is kind of true but if you <laughs> completely neglect everything else you ain't gonna have a working walls yeah i mean we, you know, we don't learn you don't learn business at at school 
you know, I didn't. I did. Well, yeah. But at the same time, I love this conversation because I tell people, I don't think it was their job to teach us how to run a, a business. I think it was up to us to really understand if we were the quote unquote entrepreneurial type. I think Logan did an awesome job clinically. Yeah. Like I'm stoked on my, I don't want to say competence, but like I, I feel very competent when I interact with people. It's like, you know, I've Manilo told me about this and I knew I was going to see this at some point and like, Oh, that was a case in, you know, diagnostic imaging. So like clinically, I think Logan did a really, really stellar job. But yeah, I think you're right. They don't, I don't think it's their job to show us how to run a practice. Mm -hmm. It's like an art form. You almost have to learn as you experience, yeah. go through it, fail, reiterate, fail, reiterate, yeah. just continue that. Yeah. Re yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right, Matt, last question here, or actually if people want to know more about you or want to learn more about where they can see your luscious beard here, where can they find you on the internet? You know, plug your stuff, pay your bills. Yeah. So if you want to, if you want to like move a little bit, you can go to YouTube and do like evolution.keen. Um, I post a lot of videos for clients on that. Um, and then that's like my Instagram handle. And I think my Facebook as well. Um, and then evolutioncairo.com is where all my website information is. Lovely. And we'll put all that info in the show notes and. Last question. I've said this multiple times. Promise this is the last one. The last thing I like to ask people, and, and so this is gut check radio, and we've explored so many of your gut check moments. You've even mentioned that, hey, this was a gut check. But what has what is the most recent gut check moment you've had? And walk us through what it was like to go through and troubleshoot. Could be personal, business, fitness, anything. I'll I'll talk business just because we're on that topic. But a couple, maybe my first year in practice, I hired somebody, and it was not the right fit. Mm. It wasn't. And, uh, I sat on it for like four months and I was like, Oh, this, and I kept, I was like, this has got to go. She's got to go. Like, this is not right. And I could tell like everything was not moving smoothly. And so like, yeah, gut check of like, as a business owner, you need to know if these individuals don't align with your vision and your mission, like you got to get them out quick. Um, which is hard because as a human, it's like, oh, I love that person though. Like that person's nice. There's nothing wrong with that person. It's just not the right fit. And so just knowing business-wise, like, all right, this is like, there are lines and you cannot cross certain lines. And if this is not in your realm, then it's not the place for you. Um, so I think just knowing like when to set boundaries and when to know like, hey, this is my world. This is how I run my business. Um, I think that's like the first thing that comes to my head. Um and then just, you know, as a father, like, and I'll tell you this, maybe you'll have kids one day. Um, as a father, you are going to go through phases of like, you're the mountain, like you're on top of the mountain. You're like doing everything awesome. And then you're going to go into the woods. And then it's like, oh shit, like things are, are not as smooth as they could be. Maybe I'm not communicating as well with my partner or my kids don't have my attention when I get home. Um, so there's definitely instances in moments like that. Um where it's like, I'm not being my best self and how do I get back up to the mountain or how do I get back up to the top? Um, so just knowing like, Oh, like I need to start working on this or I need to make sure that I'm doing these things that I say I'm going to do with integrity. Um, yeah. So just know like we're all going to ebb and flow through these moments. And when we have those gut checks, I think it's really important that we just be aware of it and give yourself grace and be like, cool, let's 
let's now take this road. That was incredibly insightful. I think if all of us listened to that on repeat multiple times, but hopefully not in the car, because remember we're instilling silence. I think we can take away a lot from that. Yeah. All right, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Like I said, we'll put all the information in the show notes and all the timestamps will be there if you want to skip to a particular topic of interest. But other than that, Matt, thanks for taking the time. And everybody, thanks for tuning in. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Thank you all for trusting me to be a part of your day. If you enjoyed the show and found it informative or entertaining, we invite you to share the love by leaving a five-star rating or review on your podcast platform of choice or by sharing this episode with your family and friends. And until next time, trust in your gut.